So we're going to go over Hebrews 2. So you can follow and see how I do. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it, uh, uh, so, that we do, uh, uh, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every uh, transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken uh, to us through the Lord, it was, conf- um, it was confirmed uh, to those who heard by God uh, bearing witness, God also testifying with him both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remember him or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have put all things in subjection under his feet for in subjecting all things to him. He left nothing that is not subject, uh, subject to him. Uh, but now we do not yet see all things subjected to him, but we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Um, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation author of their salvation through suffering for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren Um, saying i will proclaim your name to uh, my brethren in the midst of the congregation i will sing your praise i will put my trust again i will put my trust in him and again um, behold i and the children whom you have given Uh, God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of uh, Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his children in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, um, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since, he, uh, for since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Hebrews chapter 2. Thank you very much. Um, so if you have the Hebrews chapter 2 in front of you, uh, I forgot to uh, tell uh, Ms. Krause to put big spaces in between so you can take notes, so you'll have to write small if you're going to take notes. So we're just going to go down through this uh, word at a time, phrase at a time. For this reason, and that's referencing chapter 1. Chapter 1 is the most complete uh, section in the Bible uh, describing Jesus as the Messiah, the uh, looked-for one by the nation of Israel. And so chapter 1 declares him to be the only begotten, uh, the one who created the heavens, the one who holds everything together by the word of his power, the one who had uh, redeemed us, the one who now sits at the right hand of the Father. That was all included in chapter 1 in a kind of a glorious way. So here he said, for this reason, some translations use the word therefore, referring to that chapter, for this reason, we. And so uh, 
as I had mentioned at the start, this chapter book is written by a pastor probably, uh, spoken initially as a sermon to his congregation who were abandoning their faith in Jesus. And so one of the things that good pastors do is they use the word we instead of you. Um, and so he says, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. And so um, they didn't have the New Testament like we do today to read. They had a collection of letters that were um, going around. And uh, so he had been preaching to them as their pastor. And so probably referencing the past couple of years that they had been believers. We must pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we don't drift away. That's the theme of the book, drifting away. And so he's trying to prevent that from happening. So he says, for if the word spoken through angels. So if we ask ourselves the question, how uh, did we get most of the Bible, the Old Testament specifically, uh, most of it was given to people by an angel. And I'm going to read you some passages as soon as I find them here. Second Kings yeah, is the next reference. Yeah, uh, Daniel, okay, Daniel. Daniel 8, 15 through 19. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. Behold, standing before me was one who looked like a man. And I heard the voice of a man between the banks of Uli, and he called out and said, Gabriel, give this man an understanding of the vision. So Gabriel is the name of an angel, and he's a high-ranking, big angel, powerful angel, and he has a number of conversations with Daniel. Uh, much of the book of Daniel is a result of the words that Gabriel gives to him. So he came near to where I was standing, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. He said to me, Son of man, understand that the vision pertains to the time of the end. Now, while he was talking with me, I sank into a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and made me stand upright. He said, Behold, I am going to let you know what will occur at the final period of the indignation. Uh, that would be the tribulation period as we know it, for it pertains to the appointed time of the end. So Daniel chapter 9, while I was still speaking in prayer, Daniel prayed, uh, was praying for the nation of Israel. The man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me instruction and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplication, the command was issued, I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed, so give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. So Daniel was written by Daniel, but it was a result of what he heard from an angel. Luke 1.19, the angel answered and said to him, this is Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And so, I don't know if you remember this passage, but uh, Zechariah's wondering if this is a real angel or if he's just kind of been eating too much turkey or something. And so he says, so who, who are you? And you, you can almost see Gabriel stand up for his, to his full height, however tall that was. He says, I am Gabriel, the one who stands in the presence of God. In other words, I am a important angel that you are not listening to. As a result, Zechariah couldn't talk. Uh, through all of uh, nine months of, uh, of uh, his wife's pregnancy because of his doubting here. Luke uh, one twenty six. now in the sixth month, the, the angel Gabriel, again Gabriel, was sent from God to, to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin, to Mary, 
and gives her the news. And, uh, and so Gabriel is making his round. Genesis twenty-two eleven. the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad, that's Isaac, and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So there's a lot of discussion theologically about these angel appearances in the Old Testament. And one of the views is, is that they are pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus himself because it's, uh, the angel is often referred to as being God. I personally am of the opinion that they are not, that the angels are angels, but that they uh, represent God. They speak for God. They're standing before his throne, given words by God, instructed by him. And so that when it says angel, it's an angel. And, uh, and so as a result of that, there is lots of angels that show up in the Old Testament that give information and that do things. Judges, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior, speaking to, uh, to Gideon. Second Kings 1.15, uh, the angel of the Lord said to, to Elijah, go down with him, do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with the king. Genesis 7.1, then the Lord said to Noah. Now, <clears throat> it doesn't use the word angel in that conversation with Noah. But in almost every instance where God has a prolonged conversation with someone, uh, it's through an angel. So I'm of the opinion that the conversation that Noah had was with an angel. And so I think it was Bill Cosby back when I was in high school that made that conversation fairly uh, well known with statements like, how long can you tread water, Noah? And uh, statements like that, it was a really humorous a dialogue that he did about Noah and God as they're talking about building the ark. So if you've seen pictures of the ark, you know it was fairly detailed and God gave him instructions on how to do that and instructions about the animals. And so I'm the, of the opinion that information was given to Noah by an angel that was sent uh, by God just as Gabriel was uh, to Noah, uh, to Zechariah, and to others. And so... Much of the New Testament was written by angels. And so it says that here. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, that means no flux, what is written is written, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. Every transgression, little ones, big ones, in-between ones, everyone received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And so the impl implication is, is that what's being uh, shared now, uh, uh, in Hebrews 1 it says that um, the prophets heard uh, in many ways, in many, uh, but now we've heard from Jesus. Uh, he is the primary speaker, uh, the primary uh, giver of the word of God that we have in the New Testament. So if we neglect so great a salvation after it was at the first spoken through the Lord, first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So <clears throat> if you read the book of Acts, one of the things that seems to be true of the Apostle Paul is that when Jesus says in John 
14, greater works than I have done will you do. Uh, if you read about the Apostle Paul, he did things that Jesus didn't do. Uh, they would take a piece of his handkerchief and take it around and heal people with uh, his handkerchief. Peter would walk and his shadow falling on sick people would heal them. And so they had uh, lots and lots of power. If you read the book of Acts, Paul was always doing uh, miraculous things, healing people, causing people to be blind, uh, a variety of things. And so this passage is really important in regards to um, why we believe Paul was inspired. It says, it was first spoken through the Lord. Jesus came, spent three years pre preaching, teaching. It was confirmed to us by those who heard. So one of the reasons why the book of Hebrews was initially not included in the canon of Scripture was they didn't know the author. And uh, they included books on the basis of who wrote them. So if Paul wrote it, it was in, automatic. Because Paul was confirmed by signs and wonders, various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. God said, he's my man, what he says is true, and I will prove it by what he does. And so he was automatic. Anything Paul said was God's word. Same was true of Peter and the Apostle John uh, because of the miracles that they performed and that because they had seen the Lord um, they'd been with him. Now, Paul defended his apostleship because often he was accused of being not an apostle because he didn't see the Lord physically as uh, most of the others had, but then he defended it on the basis of the time he spent in the wilderness with the Lord uh, in a, a kind of a supernatural time with him. And also it says in 2 Corinthians 12 that Paul actually got to go to heaven, spend some time up there in heaven. So as far as uh, being a genuine apostle, he probably was ahead of the others uh, in that, that experience that he had talking um, in heaven with the Lord. So this writer says, after it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, those who heard, that is those who heard Jesus speak. The apostle John heard Jesus speak, obviously. Peter heard Jesus speak, obviously. Paul not in the same way, but heard Jesus speak. Uh, and so this author obviously didn't. Uh, what he received, he received from those who did hear uh, the other apostles. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders, by various miracles, by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So today, often, sometimes people will say, well, Paul did it. That must be normative for the church. There's a reason why Paul did it. And there's a reason why Peter did it. There's a reason why those miracles were done by those individuals during that time period because God was authenticating those who were authors of the Word of God. And so it was clear. And so when those who formed the canon of, the, of Scripture, New Testament, uh, they formed it on the basis of the authorship. And so Paul was automatically included the two last books to be confirmed were the book of Hebrews and the book of James. And, uh, but they were confirmed, Hebrews, primarily on the basis that most thought Paul was the author, but kept his name off it because he was writing to Jews who didn't like him. 
And uh, so even today, many believe that to be true. But uh, as you go through the book, it seems clear that he wasn't, it wasn't Paul, but he was somebody that was uh, very well read, knew everything. And so later, the church fathers included uh, both Hebrews and James. If you read the writings of uh, Martin Luther, Martin Luther was the opinion that both Hebrews and James were not, uh, should not be included in the canon of Scripture, but uh, the church went with the early church fathers, including them. He did not subject to angels the world to come. The world to come, world to come. What is that? The kingdom. The millennial kingdom that the Jews were looking for. He did not subject to angels the world to come. Uh, and he talks later on the fact that he's going to subject it to us, concerning which we are speaking. One has testified somewhere, saying, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? In other words, we're not much. We're not very impressive. Why in the world, God, do you uh, think about us? Are you concerned about us? And then he says, you have made him for a little while lower than the angels. A little while, not by design, but it takes a while for us to grow. And so we grow in character and we become uh, more than the angels, we become like Christ in character because we're created in the image and likeness of God. You made him for a little while lower than the angels. And so the question, how long uh, was Adam and Eve lower than the angels? We don't know how long it took them to grow in character till they were more and more like Christ in character. How long did it or does it take you before you are no longer lower than the angels? Uh, that's not a judgment thing. That's not a time thing. That's a born with no character thing. And at that point, you're lower than the angels. But at some point in your life, you should cross the line and rise up above uh, what they are because we grow in character, become more and more like Christ. So... Maybe for a little while, maybe for a long time, depending on whether we grow or don't grow. Um, you have crowned him with glory and honor. We've been created in his image and in his likeness. That's the glory that we, we uh, have. We've been, uh, he has appointed us over the works of his hands. That will happen during the kingdom. We are in charge of the earth. We've been put in charge. We rule. You have put all things in, sub in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now, that is in this life, we do not yet see all things subjected to him. When will we? When we get into the kingdom. Then all things will be subjected to us as we rule and reign with Christ. Um, but we do see him, that's Jesus, who was made for a little while lower than the angels, and that happened because he became and was made to be like us, lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He took our place on the cross. He paid the penalty of our sins by dying for us. For it was fitting for him, that's the Father, was fitting for him, God the Father, for whom are all things and through whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory, bringing many sons to glory. That is a process. That's a plan, a strategy that was formed before the foundation of the world to bring me 
to glory into the family of God to bring you to glory into the family of God and bringing many sons to glory, daughters to, to perfect, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. So Jesus was not perfect. That's talking character, not sin. He was born without character, even as you were and, and I, born without character. He grew in character in this life by the things he went through. And so it says, God the Father, in bringing many sons to glory, that's you and I, he perfected Jesus through sufferings. I occasionally will talk to someone about the purpose of trials as they're kind of fussing about it, wondering why God's doing this to them. And I said, why would God take Jesus through suffering? Would there be something uh, that he did wrong? Well, obviously not. So why would he take him through sufferings? To develop his character. So if he took Jesus through suffering, uh, am, am I apt to get out of it? If Jesus needed to go through suffering to become to grow up in character, I certainly will as well. For both he who sanctifies, that's Jesus, and those who are sanctified, that's us, are all from one Father. For which reason he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call us his brothers, his sisters. He's not ashamed of us, uh, who we are, what we do. We are all from one Father, and he is in the process of sanctifying us and making us like himself. And so he declares, I will proclaim your name, the name of the Father, to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. The children, that's me, you, whom God gave Jesus. And so we are his possession. He came to this earth to save us, uh, to lead us, to sanctify us. Therefore, since the children, that's me, that's you, share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. Now, if you're going to memorize this passage, this is really awkward, that section right there. Uh, he himself likewise also partook of the same. <coughs> I went over that and over that and over that to finally get that straight. He himself likewise also partook of the same. And uh, that is, he became like me and like you. That through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. <coughs> so you, you know this, but sometimes we forget. Um, ask the question theologically, how much power does the devil have over me, you? And the answer is zero, none. The only power he has is what we give him uh, as he would uh, uh, intimidate and bluff and attempt to control us by communicating to us. And so I, uh, I like to talk trash to the devil. Uh, and I remind him that he is a loser, uh, that he was defeated, that God made a public display of him uh, when Jesus rose from the dead. All of the, the angels in heaven laughed at them because they were defeated, uh, Jesus rising from the dead. And he has zero influence over my life, none whatsoever, and that someday I'm going to stomp him under my feet. Uh, Romans 16 promises that. 
And so it's sort of fun to trash talk the devil because he has no recourse. Um, sometimes people will say, you shouldn't talk that way to the devil or the demons. They might beat you up or something. They have zero power, influence over me. They can't touch me, control me, dominate me. The only thing they can do is intimidate. Uh, the only thing they can do is tempt by talking to me, and I hear them in my thoughts. But that only happens if I let him, not because he has the power to do anything. And so he rendered powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Powerless means powerless, zero. He has zero power influence over my life and might free those through fear of death who are subject to slavery all their lives. So he freed us when he rose from the dead. He died on the cross. Uh, he rendered the devil powerless and he freed me and you from slavery, control over him and, and uh, freed us from fear of death. Assuredly, he does not give help to angels. They don't need help, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. That's me, that's you, that's us. He gives help to us. Therefore, he had, uh, those two words, he had. And uh, he created us initially, Adam and Eve, in his image and in his likeness. And the plan from the very beginning, from the foundation of the world, is that we would be saved by Jesus. And so there was no option. He had to be made like his brethren in all things. The only way for him to save us is that he had to be made like us in every detail so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Merciful and faithful high priest. I read a little earlier about the uh, angel talking to Abraham in regards to the Isaac. And uh, he makes an interesting statement that sometimes people discount, they talk around it, and they'll say, God really didn't mean this. Uh, and that is, now I know, now I know that you, Abraham, don't love Isaac, your son, more than me. So God knows everything, so why would he say now he knows after this test? And again, there are many who would say, well, he didn't really mean that. My response to that is, how do you know? If it says it, why would they, uh, God have it written if that's not what he meant? Uh, it appears to be that God is all-knowing, but there is some things that he doesn't know. Uh, one of them is he didn't know exactly where Abraham was in his relationship with him until he gave him this test. And then when Abraham passed it, he said, now I know. Now I know. And another thing that Hebrews communicates is that God didn't understand us in the sense of our trials, our suffering. That knowledge uh, is uh, all-knowing is knowing things, but there's a sense of understanding uh, that he did not have and that Jesus gained that when he came and lived the life that he lived. Um, and so he became a merciful. Uh, that is, he became that by living the life that he lived. He became a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That is, uh, he paid the price of our sin. Uh, I think I've shared this with you before that if you want to go out to lunch, um, 
anxious to do that uh, if you pay. Uh, I'll even do it sometimes if I pay. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. Jesus paid. He paid the price. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So he's able to come to our aid. Why? Because he experienced what we experienced. He suffered. So now he understands us. Now he is able to be a merciful high priest. Now he knows what we need. He knows how much we can bear. And so he is able, he is able on the basis of the life lived, the experience that he had, the suffering he went through, uh, to be a merciful priest, to understand what we go through. And so he is able to give us help, to give us strength so that we get through um, our life. Amen.